We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hey, this is Jill from the Container Store. Oh. Is there something wrong? I just thought a virtual designer would be a cool robot. I could do a robot voice if that helps. Maybe. Hi, I am Jill. Let's design. Nope, absolutely not. Regular voice, thank you. Yeah, I'm not good at impressions. Enjoy free virtual in-home closet design and up to 25% off closet systems with the Container Store's custom closet sale. The Container Store, where space comes from. You are about to enter the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast on shockwaveskullsessions.com. And now your host, Bob Nalbandian. Oh, there we go. All right. Well, here we go. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Episode one? <laughs> episode one. <laughs> the debut. <laughs> episode one of, uh, you know, Shockwave's Aftershocks, I guess, or something like that we call it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got, of course... Matt Hartnett here from Aftershocks and Shockwave Skull Sessions. We got right across from me here, Mr. Bob Nalbandian, the man from the Skull Sessions. What happened to the Metal Maven, huh? Huh? The Armenian, Armenian Metal Maven? That's when we do Shockwave Skull Sessions. Oh, oh I can't be there. Not Armenian Shockwaves Metal Aftershocks. No. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. You're not a Maven right now. Right. You know, just kind of. <laughs> and of course, sure. we got Chris Aiken from Aftershocks and the Classic Metal Show on the line with us. What's up, Chris? What's up? Cool. So we're just gonna basically this is gonna be us just shooting the shit, talking about like recent, you know, news in the music business. You know, we could talk about interviews we've done, talk about bands we've heard that we like, you know, whatever it is. It's sort of open. Um but the first thing I just I guess, you know, me and Chris talked about earlier, what we're gonna talk about and bring up is and I told you too, Bob, is about this live nation um situation now. Um so it looks like Oh, man, let me just I had something here. Let me bring it up. So it looks like Live Nation's at it again. Um, they're going to be, I mean, I don't have all this. I got some of the details here, but it looks like, you know, their new, I guess, model, you know, going back to once, you know, shows can start being played again. Um, it's going to be, it looks like, a once again, it's going to be taken out of the pockets of the artists. It's not going to really come down to the promoters taking the cuts. Of course, they don't um, take any risk these days. Promoter. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, just number wise, it says, you know, uh, the cutting artist fees by 20 percent in 2021. Um, obviously, then they're doing it's going to be 20 percent less guaranteed money up front. Uh, all the bands are going to be required to assist with marketing in terms of social media. They have to stream the, the, the concerts. They got to put them up all over the Internet. Uh, and it's going to be 30 percent of the artist's merchandise sale. So I, now I don't know the numbers that were prior to that, but obviously mostly every artist that you know uh, commented on it, they were all you know, of course, not very happy. So um, yeah. what I mean, you know, I guess this is nothing new. Obviously, with Live Nation, and obviously we were expecting something was going to be done like this because of it. And of course, it's not going to be the promoters taking the hit; it's going to be the artists. But um, you know, I, I mean, the merchandise still right there, thirty percent. That's a fucking huge fucking chunk. Yeah, um, usually the promoters do take. A they do, but not that much, right? Well, I mean, I remember when we did a show at 
Irvine Meadows, we had to take a 60-40 split as an opening band. Okay. Uh, yeah, wow. which was crazy. That's nuts. And uh, that was opening for Dawkin and Great White. So we were third on the bill. So I'm sure the other bands didn't have that. But it was probably, you know, something set up where, you know, the, the headliner gets some or the management or the, so, the you know, middle act, the promoter gets a piece. But that was our split. I just remember we're like 60-40. Wow. Damn. But, uh, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean. And that was back in 1986. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also one of those things, too. And, Bob, we were just talking about this, you know, and, and I, I was telling you, Chris brought this up on one of the Aftershocks. Um, was, it was, you know, it, it's really, I mean, obviously a lot of these clubs are shutting down, the smaller clubs, right? So who knows what's going to happen with independent music um, if they do. But I remember, Chris, you were saying something, too, on one of the a podcasts we did about how you, th- how you think, though, that it actually could benefit a lot of those middle sort of bands, not the big ones, you know, the, the, the types that maybe sell out, you know, some of the, the mid-sized level clubs because they're going to be able to play these shows probably sooner than later where, you know, Live Nation with the big shows and the stadiums and the arenas and stuff. I mean... There's going to be a lot of hoops they got to jump through to actually get those shows, you know, going. Where the first bands, I think, that are going to start coming along and start playing are going to be the small ones, the very independent ones. That's if, you know, I guess that's more bars, right? I mean, well, think about it. Clubs, if the clubs come back and they don't end up... Well, I, I, so, so, so if clubs don't come back, though, you figure it's going to be bars. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's going to be there's going to be bars put on shows. Like, even like that Deep Park site, the one up here, that's sure. pretty much like a dive bar that you know these mega bands have played in which is crazy you know the prongs and monster magnets raven we saw there yeah, yeah those are going to be the spots Pro-Max. i think though you know huh i think those will be those will be the fun Pro-Max. spots and see. yeah that's right you'll end up seeing bands that are that are probably too big to play those rooms playing those rooms just because they'll get more money in the yeah. guarantee well there you go that's you know mm-hmm. i mean that's that's what it'll be but i'll tell you who's I, I've thought about this a bunch, and I, I actually had a nice, a, a very long email conversation with um, a friend of mine and Bob's and marketing guru, Michael Brandvold, mm-hmm. um, and we, we were talking through this, and what's going to really happen, though, is you are going to see these middle-sized bands, the bands that are, um, let's just say, a, a Rat or a Dokken or, mm-hmm. or LA Guns or whatever, those bands are going to have no choice at all. None. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, those well they'll they'll have two choices. They'll have sign this corrupt contract, which is what I think it is, or you cannot play any House of Blues as an example, cuz Live Nation generally books House of Blues, I believe. Yeah. So so let's let's take like last summer we had that um what was it or last winter it was the 80s hair tour with Bullet Boys and Enough's enough and um, great white. I think it was a serious XM tour, whatever that mm-hmm. was. And so you got those three bands and it was booked at every house of blues in the country. Mm-hmm. So what, are, what, what are they going to do? Say no. Are they going to say yeah. no? Not going to obligate to 30% of our merch and um, 20% of our guarantee. And God forbid the bus breaks down. Now we got to pay for both this gig and the next gig as a, as a penalty. You know, they're, they're not going to have a choice. Their choice is going to be you can play these 30 shows and take the risk or you can, you know, sit at home. Yeah. Or or play this dive bar that we're talking about that seats 300 people. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really going to get bent over hard by Live Nation. And that's 
That's the worst part. For you know, I, I read every little bit about this Live Nation deal. The big bands are never going to sign this. You're not going to tell me that Metallica or Pearl Jam or U2 is going to obligate to 30% of their revenue. You're mm. not going to tell me that Metallica is going to give one ounce of shit worth of streaming away when they when they use it as a business of their own. Yeah, That's their business model. They're not giving that away to Live Nation. The problem is with Live Nation, they become such a monopoly, just the same way Clear Channel with radio, mm -hmm. that there's not. They really own the live market, mm -hmm. and the way they were able to do this and get the bands, as you probably know, Chris, because I know you've you've talked about it on the on the Classic Metal Show, but a lot of other people don't know. They could pay the bands 100% of their ticket price. So when they're selling their tickets for $200, $150 or whatever, they could give them 100%. If it's a big band like Metallica, obviously, if it's a smaller band, uh, you know, they'll get a big chunk out. But where they make their money off of is this so-called $25 service fee. And yeah. that's where they're pocketing. It's, it's, it's not a service fee. It's basically money you're paying to Live Nation. And it's like, yeah, it's what the fuck am I? I'm going to the, the ticket booth. I remember, um, you know, buying a ticket at House of Blues. And I'm like, what the fuck is this service fee for? And this was, yeah. you know, years ago. Back then, I think it was like $16, $17. I'm like, I'm purchasing, I'm paying you $17 for you to hand me a ticket. What the fuck, you know? Yeah. But that's where they're making their money. And the bands love Live Nation because the guarantee. They, they don't look at it like, and they might not even understand that, hey, they're kind of ripping off our fans. They're charging them this extra. All they're caring about and their management is caring about is we're getting paid more than anyone else is paying us to do these shows. We're getting well, paid a good, you know, and they're yeah. treating the bands well. They give them, you know, all the accommodations they need in their riders. And that's their trick of getting the bands on their side. And now they probably thought, hey, well, we got the bands on there on our side. Now let's take a cut from them. And a lot of the bands obviously are fighting back. But the, the question is, what other options what are options? they going to have yeah. if mm -hmm. other promoters are going to be able to yeah. come they're into not, these venues? True. They're not going to fight back. Let's be honest. The bands, we all know bands. It's a bunch of morons that don't know how to do business. 99 mm -hmm. <laughs> of the time. That's, that's what. Well, we're talking the bigger level bands have good management and they well, usually. And that's why I said at the beginning, those bands are not going to be affected by this. Their management will have ideas. Their management will work out sub deals with AEG or whatever, whatever dumb golden voice that they find in every city that's willing to throw $3 million at Metallica to headline stupid fest in some cornfield somewhere. You know, and Metallica will show up and do that if their option is to give away 30% or not. That's just... Mm -hmm the way that will work they'll take anybody's money to go play wherever True. the little bands are the ones see and and this is wherein lies the problem in my mind it's it's a three-part problem it's not just live nation as much as i think they are an absolute scumbag cartel mm -hmm. and they are but the bands these bands have gotten so used to being overpaid that they've forgotten that they're overpaid yeah you know mm -hmm. You can't tell me that a rat is worth $50,000 a show. Of course They're not. Not, not, in, not in 2020. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me that a Dokken is worth $20,000 a show. You can't tell me that an LA Guns is worth $10,000 a show. It's just fake money. 
and it's fake money that has been allowed to be paid. And the bands, the bands that come out all the time, the same guys that cry about, well, we just try to keep going for the fans and the fans and the fans. They know full well that if they're charging $20,000 to show up in, you know, buttfuck Egypt somewhere, that that what that turns around to is a $75 to $100 ticket for their fans. And they don't care. Mm -hmm. And the fans are the third part of the problem because the fans That's who... The problem. The fans who always have great intention. How many fans do we know that buy 400 copies of the same album because it has a bonus track or a different colored cover or it yep. comes with a t-shirt? Mm -hmm. They oh, all you mean, they, they're are you about Jim Bartek? <laughs> just like Jim Bartek. But they, they all think that they're supporting the band. Well, the bands know that, and that's when why the bands have no problem raping them now. Mm -hmm. The bands are happy to let the venue rape them for $75, $80 a ticket because they're getting paid. The bands are happy to rape them for another $1,000 and give some of that to Live Nation for a meet and greet. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I yeah. mean, the the bands are equally culpable and the fans are culpable too. Mm -hmm. At some point, the fans, and I say this as somebody that's a 1,000% guilty in the last six, seven months because I, I overspent on Metallica tickets, and I overspent on Bob Seger tickets. They were within a week of each other. I spent, for two tickets each, I spent a grand mm -hmm. for, for two tickets to two shows. That's me being a fool. Well, no, you know, I think a lot of it, though, too, is not so much you're a fool. It's also... No, uh, he's a fool. Huh? He's a no. fool. All right, all right, if you say, okay. If Bob says <laughs> so, I guess I'll go with you. <laughs> I know where you're going with this, Matt, and I don't agree. All right, well, where, where am I going with it? Go ahead. You're going with that I want to support and I want nope, to see those. No, 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 no. I, I, I think more what, what a lot of times what, what fans are doing, they also know this is coming to an end. There's there's no bands coming up that are going to take the place of, the, of these bands. True. You know, so it's sort of like a, this is like the, the last hurrah. Even how shitty you they know, know it's going to be. Yeah, even if the bands, bands suck live, if they can't play anymore, the fact it's still that nostalgia thing, it's still that I, I need... I need to go out. I need to have a good time. All right, I got to pay fucking one hundred fifty dollars for this. You know, fucking. It could be the last time I'll ever see this band again. Yeah, it, just all that stuff. Exactly. And I think that's what it is. It's more fear in it more than anything. Like shit, is this going to be it? Is the last time I've seen this band? Who's? I guess. Mean, what are the next band? You know, and that's. That, I think that's a lot of it. Is that because like there's? It's not like they have in their minds other options unless they start getting into more independent and you know music, not stuff that's you know on the radio or not all the stuff from the eighties, the nostalgic stuff. They're not willing. Fans are lazy. They're not willing to listen to new stuff or to, you know they're just not willing to do that. I mean maybe they will now. Who well, knows? Again, too, there's you know the there you don't have the labels out there promoting the new stuff. You have to really dig. And most of the people yeah, our yeah. age, we're not going to dig through fucking well, that's the other thing YouTube too. Yeah. or yep. all these fucking you know, Facebook or whatever new ways of finding music, CD baby. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know some people that do that, but it's like, fuck, I'm not going to waste my time doing that yeah. stuff. I mean, well, no, it, it's a pro and, and social media is a huge problem. It's a deficit as well as a positive. I mean, mm -hmm. certainly, you know, Matt and I talked today with, um, with, uh, Tony Reed from Moss generator and he has all of his music, which is a ton of music. Yeah. Bandcamp. So you could go to mossgenerator.bandcamp and you can listen to, probably 150 Moss Generator songs. That's fantastic, and that's great. And, man, that's for a band like that that really doesn't have a label or any kind of support or anything, that's fantastic that he can literally say a link, do one podcast, and reach a 1,000 people and that, that can hear what he does. Yeah, That's the positive. The negative, though, and 
believe it or not, I'm actually going to take Live Nation's side on this, is the bands have gotten universally lazy, way more than even they were in the past. Mm -hmm. Because the bands, and we all know bands this way, and I'm not going to name them because I don't want to sell them out, but Mm -hmm. we all know 10 bands apiece that do not have a publicist. And they do not go, when they're coming to Wisconsin, they don't look up the local radio show, podcast, YouTube, vlog, whatever it is, and and reach out and say, hey, can you interview this guy for his date July 14th at blah, blah, blah center? They don't do that anymore. They show up, they play their gig, they go home. And, you know, I, I was talking about this on the CMS last weekend. Even me, I live, I live 10 minutes from a casino, 10 minutes. And it's my go-to casino to see shows at because the sound is good and I can safely make it drunk from their home. So, you know, it's a, it's a fair shot. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that, that drives me nuts is the only time I know bands that I like are coming is when I drive by there and see their marquee. I never hear about it anywhere. I, and, and I'm in the business, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in the business, I get every press release of every tour that there is. And I don't, you know, don't think that I don't look at every single list of tour dates to see if there's a Cleveland date. Yeah. But I, I don't know if so much the bands are lazy. That was never their job back in the day. Back in the day, that was a record was label's job. Well, the record their- label has the publicist back in the sure. day, the record label had the publicity department or they would hire mm-hmm. out to a, a, you know, an independent publicist uh, like so a chipster or whatever, but that was never in the back of the day, the label's job. Now there is no label. Well, they're just done adapting so. to the new, the new way. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the point. The, the bands haven't yeah. adapted. Yeah. Well, yeah. but it's well past time to give them a pass for that. Bob. Yes, I agree. No, I yeah. agree. But mm-hmm. I'm saying it, it, you know, that's really what it comes down to. And I, it's, I don't think a lot of them know how to do that or they, you know, a lot of them, I mean, I know on your show, uh, you know, the classic metal show, You've interviewed a lot of these independent bands. I don't know if they've gotten yeah. to you directly or if you uh, contacted them, but you know there are a lot of them that that you know do do that. Uh, sure, and and I and I and I personally will always give them the respect of. I almost never turn down anybody that asks specifically if their mu- unless their music is pure shit. I will not turn it down, and a lot of times, even if their music isn't good, I will still if they if they investigated enough to know what we do. I will give them the I will give them the respect of hey let's try and help mm-hmm. this band go. Well, that's, that's good to hear that the infirmity kids have a shot. Oh, well, you know, they they do. <laughs> they did. I gave them I gave them an hour and a half for radio tonight. <laughs> but, but, but what I'm saying though, Bob, you can't tell me every one of these damn bands that we're talking about these heritage bands has at least been signed to Frontiers, so they know for a fact. If nothing else, they know a couple of publicists' phone numbers because those po- those publicists have worked with them. You're going to tell me that in 20 years since the heyday, 20 years of releasing on Spitfire Records, CMC, Frontiers Records, uh, Steamhammer, SPV, Napalm, Rat Pack, I'm just naming a ton of these little labels that have signed all these bands, that none of these guys have figured out, well, I still got to promote it in order to make money. They just don't care because they're yeah. making 20000 a gig to show up on a Friday or a Saturday on a fly-in right. and then go home with $40,000 in their pocket. They know they're not going to make any money selling a record anymore, so they don't even bother to take the time 
and take the steps that they need to step forward to the next level. Well, that's exactly yeah. the point is they're not making the money off the CDs. So they feel, well, you know, our only money, a source of income is the uh, live shows. And to be fair, even when you say these bands are making, you know, 10 grand a show is nothing for, you know, you might say, well, a band like LA Guns, they don't, you know, they don't draw that much or whatever. But when you look at if you're going to have a, a, most of the bands can't even afford a bus. Let's just say traveling in a van, you got to rent a truck for the gear. You got to pay a roadies. You got to, you know, yeah. that, that yeah. 10 grand goes out the window. So it's not like they are making a lot of money, even if they're making 20 grand a show. Uh, and most of these bands, they're not consistently toward, they're not playing five nights a week like they used to. They're doing fly-in shows. Yeah, weekend so shows and stuff. Yeah. The, you know, the, the money's just not, and I agree, a lot of the bands are are lazy in a sense that they, they could do some of the bands that make more money, but a lot of them that are doing fly-in shows, that's their survival money, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. they're doing, you know, uh, one or two shows a month uh, maybe three shows a month, you know, a lot of them have to pay for the flights. Uh, if the promoters don't pay for it or, you know, they have it within their, their, you know, $50,000 pay, you know, the, the band has to pay their own flights. They have to pay the, you know, hotels, whatever. So that money goes real quick, you know, mm -hmm. well, especially when you don't have backup money, like CD sales and whatnot. Okay. You say this now I'm going to counter it. All right. 10,000 <laughs> a show, two nights a week, Friday and a Saturday. That's a fly in gig. Okay. 40 weeks a year. That's taking three months off a year. That's 800 grand a year. You're going to tell me that with 800 grand and your only. That's gross, though. Of course, that's gross. Mm -hmm. so okay. five, subtract, subtract the flights, subtract okay. the hotel rooms, subtract the meals, subtract. Uh, paying four or five roadies, subtract and this truck rental, subtract this. Subtract that's still that. about a hundred grand just, a piece. You know, if you have four, if you have four band members in the band. Yeah. You know, well, you I'm just that. saying it does. You know, it, it depending on the band and depending on uh, you know. Uh, it's, it's 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 not understanding their place anymore. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. the biggest problem. Uh, you know, you do an interview. Well, that is true. You do an interview with whatever band from the '80s, and they still think it's they still think it's rock royalty coming into the room. Of yeah. course, yeah, and it's not Brett yeah. Michaels. Of course, <laughs> who said that? Matt, don't, don't talk negative about Brett Michaels like that. I did. I love Brett Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you said. They are there. You know, it's funny because I, I I talk to a lot of uh, guys that work on the end uh, that that work. Uh, a lot of these venues and stuff, and they just laugh when they say they have these '80s bands that come in. They still have still the same attitude, like yeah, it's MTV days. And, yeah, yeah, you're gonna see that. But then again, a lot of these promoters, like say the guy in Lima, they they treat them like they're gods still. And th that's the other problem is you have these promoters that are gonna lose their ass because they're total fanboys of these bands. And I don't mm. feel sorry for these promoters. It's like, hey, you're paying these guys way more money than they deserve just I so don't, you but yeah. this is the, this is the trickle down part yes. i blame the fans i mm -hmm. ultimately i blame the fans i don't blame i don't blame promoter and lima for losing 2 million dollars booking such huge notables as d snyder and vince neal that's <laughs> his fault for being stupid you know mm -hmm. and fair enough he was stupid but i still blame the fans that rolled out to the cornfield in Lima at 150 a ticket to see this show—that's mm -hmm. ridiculous. Why wow, you did? You paid 150 to see shows too. 
Yeah, and I'm an idiot. I, I said he just said that before. Yeah, I said that at the beginning. I I can't. I cannot. Well, dude, it's what you know. What I don't do that. I don't get that personally. And I leave it to the individuals. I mean, a lot What's of the market. Guys, well, dude, the- it's like these people that are going to pay for these cruises, pay ten grand to be on a cruise, like our buddy Wes on the Duff Leopard yeah. cruise. Okay, mm-hmm. that is their vacation. That's their getaway. They're freaking where I'm going to have a vacation. I'm going to see bands. I'm going to be with my wife. We're going to relive the '80s. So, a lot of people. T- I mean, I know a lot of people that go on the cruises that absolutely love it they tell me how much money they spent well we spent you know all our vacation money for the year and we had to you know make cutbacks on this to do it but man it was worth it it's like all right well if it's worth it to you guys it's worth it to some people you know that's i mean to some people that work you know uh you know but again 80 bands bob say what that's 80 bands and it's and it's a trip to you know somewhere warm and nice i mean there's it's more than just Going to see no. Bob Seger and Grand Funk Railroad at at, at the local arena. Or whatever, I agree, yeah. but if some people that might be their favorite band, some person, mm-hmm. Bastard Pussycat might be their favorite band, and to them it's worth paying. You know, again, it, I, I'm not. It's, it's up. To, you know, you you blame the. I agree. I, I can say, dude, these fans are stupid for paying this amount of money. But hey, if they want to do, they're well aware of it. You know, you're well aware of paying overpriced tickets. And maybe you think, well, the, the show's going to be good. And a lot of times, you know, you're disappointed after you pay. And then you go, fuck, man, I paid way too much money for this show, you know. But and, and, and I'll be honest, that that is indeed the lesson that I learned last winter. I went to the Meta- I, I waited until the last minute to get the Metallica tickets. I Because I've seen Metallica 42 times. 40, and that's the real number, not like some made up, I've seen them a lot number. I've legitimately seen them 42 performances. And I waited to the last minute because I was just like, I am not spending that much money on a band that I have seen play for $25. Mm-hmm. I'm just, when they were much, much better than they are now. Sure. And two weeks before, I just caved. Two weeks before, I was like, I am going to be miserable if I'm sitting around my house watching Metallica videos knowing that they're 20 miles from here. Mm-hmm. And I went and bought the tickets and was completely, completely disappointed. The show sucked. I sat up in the nosebleeds, and mm-hmm. and it was it was just not fun at all. Mm-hmm. And I was disappointed. By contrast, hold on, let me finish this. By contrast, I went a week later or whatever to see Bob Seger, and... It was an amazing show and it was fantastic, but I still had the same feeling that I had about seeing Metallica, which was, I saw this guy before when he was even better than this amazing show Mm -hmm. and it only cost me 25 bucks. So who's the dumbbell? Me. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Cause what you could have done, especially with Metallica or Bob Seger, you could just went on YouTube and seeing yeah. the videos before, you would know that you know the set. I mean, this well, is it's hard to tell. Before, we watch you never from really a YouTube knew the video. set list. You didn't you know, know what they were going to be like. You didn't know how they were going to sound. Now you go online, you see the 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 night before how they play. So you, you know what you're getting. But it's, into. it's hard to you know to, to 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 get the live experience from seeing. No, I know. But YouTube. what I'm saying is, you know what songs that like me. I mean, I've seen Metallica. You know, obviously, you know. I'm fortunate enough. I I got in free for all these private shows they were doing. They did the private show in mm-hmm. in Oakland at the what was that uh, place? Uh, the Bristol. big theater in Oakland. Uh, 
Oh, Fox? No, the Fox Theater. Yeah, yes. the, the Fox. No, uh, the Fox. Uh, the Warfields in San Francisco. Uh, the Fox Theater. They did the Rasputin. You know, record store thing. I've, I see them do all their uh, mm. old sets. I saw them at the Rose Bowl doing the thing. They're doing a lot of old sets. I knew that this show, uh, the tour that you went on. I knew exactly what they were doing and they were doing the B markets, you know, so they're going to play the popular songs for there. They're not going to dig deep. And you know that in advance, you know what you're getting into and it's say, so yeah, I agree. You are a fucking idiot, Chris. So, and <laughs> right, there you go. We <laughs> should have known better. And it, I, it's about it, man. Yeah. I, especially when, you know, like you, I was fortunate enough to see, you know, as I've said a million times, the best show I've ever seen in my life was Day in the Green 91 there in Oakland Stadium with Metallica, first show of the Black Album Tour. Mm -hmm. And that was fucking amazing. It was by far the best show I've ever seen in my life. Two two hours and 45 minutes of Metallica. It was it was unbelievable. But what I also got to see was the night before when they played at the Warfield, when they did a warm up set, which was awesome. Because then they played like three hours just tinkering with stuff. And it was fantastic as well. So, you know, and for the total two shows, I spent $25. Yeah. And and I know it's a different time, but. It's like a chase, you like chasing the dragon kind of thing, right? It's sort of like. You, you, you know, with, especially with, like, say, with Metallica, you know, it's like, all right, I, I, I want to get that experience again. You know they're probably at this age not going to sound the same. Just like a lot of bands, just like you said, Seeger, and most well, of the bands you see. it depends on the show. I'll tell you, when but, Metallica did, I was another show was that 30th anniversary that they did at the Fillmore, a uh, whole week straight, and they did everything. I mean, they were bringing everyone from John Bush to King Diamond to Rob Halford to... Uh, you know, every you know, guys at Sweet Savage, all these new wave of British heavy metal heroes up on stage with them. Uh, I, I believe Ozzy came on uh, one of the nights, and I, I mean, they were doing, they were just going, and they sounded fucking killer. That you know, they got sure. Mustaine back up mm-hmm. on stage. They even had Ron McGovney and Lloyd Grant get up on stage with them. I mean, they were doing the, you know, and again, that was kind of a private show. It's yeah, to go to that, that's a different. They yeah. sounded fucking great, yeah. no matter how old. Well, or so how it was just it was like you said, yeah. it's in at the Warfield, so it's smaller venue. You, it you was know, no, that was at the, oh, the Fillmore. Fillmore. I mean, Fillmore, yeah, smaller venue though. I mean, not not a big arena. But they played you know? a great set. They did all their old songs. They did all their old demo tracks from Kill 'Em All. You know the way they did mm. it with Dave Mustaine. And I mean, you could you could see a lot of that online, and you could see they they fucking sure. kicked ass. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's kind of. I mean, we'll, we'll stay around in the concert thing here, but I want to. Uh, we've been on this for a while. I want to move on to something different. My my question is, with the shows now, these live shows. Who's going to be the first set of musicians or bands that are going to actually take that step to actually be like, you know what, all right, we're going to play. Like, for instance, the reason why I'm saying this is, I don't know if you heard any of you guys, this whole, there was this fest coming up, this Herd Immunity Fest. I believe oh, it, yeah. right? And so what happened was, I don't know if you guys know the situation, I think it was like bands, a lot of those, you know, 90s bands, Nonpoint, I think Static X, Dope, all those kind of bands. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the guy from Power Man 5000 made a, the singer, Spider, Spider One or whatever, yeah, Rob Zombie's brother. He um he came out and made a post like how it's fucked up that they're doing this now, mm-hmm. and then sure enough, what happened next? Nonpoint drops off. Yeah. Now now it looks like it's not even going to be done, because they're all they pissed. Ch- they changed the name of the festival. They did change the name. Okay, they're still doing it, but they changed the name of the festival. Okay, so is is Nonpoint now? Are they still off because they said they were dropping off. So this is There's- one of those drive-in. No, no, this is an actual little festival they're doing. And it's it's in the Midwest there, right, Chris? It's, I think it's up that far yeah. from you, right? 
Yeah. yeah I don't know where. I, don't I think it's Wisconsin. Where. Wisconsin. That's where it's in. Look, with so, the band yeah. were named that didn't lead me to look further. But well, um, obviously, yeah, I don't like any of those bands. But um, yeah, but so my thing is, is like, are, are these a lot of them are gonna get shit? You know, for, because we know what, what's going on with the whole cancel culture. You know, with with bands too, with each other. You know, with uh, you know band members. Do you, you think that this is going to be a big deal? Do you think that this is something where it's like, who's going to be the first one to really take that step and, and make, you know, put, who's going to be the first one to go on tour? You know what I mean? Are they going to get shit for doing it because no one feels like it's, you know, you're ready to do it yet. No one, you know, it's like, I don't know. What do you guys think with that? I mean, what's. That's a good point. So, you know, someone's going to have to take the risk. Someone's got to take the risk, you know? Well, and, and not only is, is somebody going to have to, it's going to have to be a big band. It cannot be a small one. It, yeah. it, it's mm-hmm. probably going to be that Motley Motley, Def Leppard, Poison, Poison Tour, next summer, mm-hmm. because it, it can't be a small band. Because in order for the for little bands to do it, you're going to have to not only get the band on board, but you're going to have to get venues and cities and everything yeah. else. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, some of the cities have laws or or state of emergency right now that you can't have. You still can't have fucking galleries. Sure, well, that's what I'm saying. Do you think it's going to be more of like? The festivals thing is going to be the way to go because it's one thing if one or two bands go, but if you got ten bands going, yeah, we're going to play this festival. What are you going to do? Are you going to go and try to cancel out ten bands? You don't know, once. I mean, I don't think you can do that. Well, so depends on the festival. Depends. Yeah. yeah, you, the, you cancel, cancel the, the promoter. Yeah. yeah, the the city could pull the permit. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah. there, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways it could go. I don't know. I mean, yeah. the the problem with a big festival with ten bands, how do you how do you what are you going to do? give covid tests to every band yeah. member and not to mention it's a fucking risk for the promoters now well, for promoters yes and, and, yeah. and that's why i'm saying what live nation think how much live nation must have lost on this motley crew oh uh, uh, tour if they sure. I, I assume it was a live nation show yeah uh, it was and and all these shows there were a lot of these shows that were already sold out mm-hmm. and now done you know yeah so well, but, they, but live nation being the fucking criminals that they are they just postponed it, rescheduled it for a year later, and didn't refund anybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Are you serious? Well, they yeah. won't refund people. Well, they they said they have said, according to the last thing that I read. So, whenever you're listening to this, it may have changed a little bit. But they have said that if you can't make the rescheduled dates, they will refund you at a time to be determined later. Yeah. So they ain't giving you the money right now. Well, and it's not just Live Nation, Studio. I got I got these tickets sitting right over here, Bob. You see those on the bottom there, Eventbrite. Uh, there was Sepultura Sacred Rite tickets over here at the UC, you know, a theater in Berkeley, mm. and. No, I mean, I, I I had tickets for a bunch of shows at that point. I've gotten refunded every, every one of them except for that. Um, so I don't even think it's just going to be Live Nation. I think you've got some of these other promoters. Like I said, Eventbrite, I think, is one of them right now doing it. Um, but obviously, Live, Live Nation is the big name, and that's the big one with you know the big money, obviously, spending $150 tickets. So yeah, that's, uh, I've got Rose Tattoo tickets that um, I was supposed to see Rose Tattoo in May. And they rescheduled it to January 21st, but there was no refund offered. It was just you can use your tickets in January. Well, yeah. So this one was even like, well, you can use them when we reschedule it. There was no even, there was never even a date. It's just, we're going to reschedule it. But it's like, well, I mean, so that's going to be another, you know, the whole Mm -hmm. thing in itself. Um, The other thing, I mean, I I was talking to Bob about this earlier. I mean, I'm, I'm... I don't know about you, Chris. I'm I'm burnt out. Not that I've even really watched a lot of these things at all. I maybe saw one or two of them. These online covers with like taking three band members from different bands, doing a cover of some song. They're all you know they're all on their own screen. You know, I think yeah. Charlie Bonanti's in a whole bunch of them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's 
I'm fucking. I, 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 it's just it bugs the shit out of me. Those things. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I've never watched. I've seen them. I've seen people posting about them. I, I, I if anything, the most I've watched is maybe thirty seconds of, of yeah, something. Yeah, it's so. yeah. I, I don't. Uh, it doesn't. I think I, they're I fucking stupid. For it. You know. I don't know if other true. fans have interest for it, but me, it's. Uh, you know, you know, I don't. It's, I don't want to see a band rehearsing. No, and, and the thing is, a lot of it's the same guys doing it. You know, I think I see. I'm seeing like Charlie Bonante. There's that guy Rod Diaz from Suicidal. There's, uh, I think Phil Demmel's done a bunch. It Charlie seems, Bonante's wife. Yeah, she exactly. Carla Harvey. Oh, there um, you, you know, yeah. I mean, just it's just. And the thing is, it's not like they're doing a song. Like, like for instance, we did. You know, we we interviewed Sons of Silver and Peter. You know, Peter. I mean, they did a song. The band actually did a song and a video, like a new song and a video. Through it. That's different. If your band's going to do a song or a video, and it's, it's, it's an original song. It wasn't even a cover. This is all yeah. like they're doing goofy covers of like pop songs. And, you I know, know like, the fans want to see it, I guess. And if they're going to get But do it, they? You know? Do they want to see it? Or is this, or is this the band members well, just needing attention? I don't know. You know, I mean, keep, what is it? I don't what know do how think? many hits they're getting, but if they're continuously it's, doing these... Uh, they must be making some kind of money somehow. I would imagine. Yeah, they're just posting it on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. they're just yeah, they're, they're their name out there. Here, here's the here's the problem that I have with those things, and and I hate them. I've, mm -hmm. I've watched way too many of them, and really the only good one I've I've seen, and this is not just because I'm talking to you, Bob, but Arm Arm is saying isolation, isolation yeah. because Bush sounded unfucking real. Yeah, but that was um, a good one. But all the rest of them are that. horrible. Yeah. And the reason they're horrible is because the last thing in the world that we want, that we really want from our rock stars is to see them in their house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to see Charlie Benante playing acoustic guitar with his wife on the couch. I don't want to see Tommy Shaw doing fooling yourself on his couch while he's chasing his dog around. <laughs> these, these fucking things are terrible. They're terrible. And it's like, just stop. First of all, we all know that you're not playing together, that it's all edited together. That's a whole nother. They try to give this myth like they somehow one, two, three, four, and everybody started playing and it just sounded mint perfect. Right. It didn't. No. Everybody recorded their own part and they hired an engineer to put this bullshit together. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's garbage. It's it just I hate it. I'm like, they're they're the only I'm going to take back my only one that I liked was isolation because to be fair, I have liked the um, Sammy Hagar ones. Okay. I, I, I haven't seen those. I haven't heard I those would, if he was to put those, he's done eight or nine of them so far. Okay. If he was to put okay. those on a CD, I'd buy it because they have been good. And it just reminds me that I liked Van Hagar. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, fine. You know, it's him and Michael Anthony. They sound like Van Hagar. Put it out. It's fine. Who's playing guitar? Just Sammy. No, Vic Johnson. It's oh, okay. it's it's Vic Johnson, um, Jason Bonham, Michael Anthony, and Sammy. Okay, okay. And they sound great, and it's obviously professionally recorded and professionally engineered, and mm -hmm. you know, and and it comes off really good. And yeah. that's fine. Yeah, but, I, I'm fine know, with people like people want to hear it, and people want you know. They're I don't know if are these are these people charging for it? Or it's, anyone no, can watch no, it. they're not yeah. charging for so it. So that's no. fine. Yeah. I mean, whatever yeah. if they want to you know do that to keep their name out there, keep it alive, and keep the music going. I you know I I don't. It's not something I would sit sit at home and watch, and and I certainly wouldn't go to a drive-in concert. Which well, that's the, that was the next thing we were to talk about <laughs> here. Mean, yeah, I didn't mean to. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm glad you brought it up yeah. because, yeah, we're going to get into that. I mean, these drive-through concerts, they're doing them in Germany, right? I think I saw Doro was doing one. And Doro did one, and it was embarrassing. Was it? Oh. Okay. 
Yeah. Dude, she's doing all we are. And she jumps off the stage and she runs out into a bunch of cars. And they're all honking their horns, right? (laughs) We're at the end. But but first of all, none of them were in. Half the people were out of their cars. Right. So the whole myth, the whole myth of the people aren't are, you know, social distancing by staying in their cars is blown out of the water because the people were either out of their cars or they were sitting like with their ass on the on the windowsill mm-hmm. of the car and they're, you know, head banging and, you know, hornsing to Doro. Doro's running in between cars, high fiving people and signing autographs or whatever <laughs> while she's while she's singing all we are. And then at the end, you have a bunch of people honking their horns and flicking their lights on and off. It was, uh, it, it was an embarrassing Christ. tragedy. Yeah. It, yeah. It was, it, dude, it's funny because I talked to um, Schmier from um, Destruction like two days after it. Right. And, and he was like, Destruction will not be playing. And, you know, the typical hard German accent. Yeah, right. Destruction oh. will not be doing that bullshit. Yeah. Can you imagine a thrash metal band doing that? Oh, Jesus Christ. Come on. It's... I can't imagine Doro doing it. Yeah, well, well yeah, you got say... yourself in enough trouble with Doro. Now you're getting, you're digging yourself even deeper. There. <laughs> <laughs> I love Doro. No, I but it's, but it's, it's embarrassing. She's way too professional to yeah. downgrade well, her dude, set. It, to I don't. I think. I think they know that. They think they're making a political statement by doing this. We're political? so righteous. How, how We're doing the right thing though? by social distancing our crowd we're giving we're giving entertainment to our fans and they love it they love it chris <laughs> well no i mean uh, chris bolendahl from gravedigger said the same thing man he was just like when i interview i did with him he was just like no, it's that, he's like it's 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 not it's it's impossible to do when you're playing a metal band it's, me- it's everything that that this music stands for yeah it's, it's, it's so on. anti that it's all it's a antithesis of that yeah hand everybody a refrigerator box so that we can get more people in and we'll have everybody put a refrigerator box <laughs> over their head and then we'll put 500 people in refrigerator boxes in and let them mosh and watch the show. It's the dumbest shit ever. Just stop. Yeah. And what? And, and again, I'm gonna go back to what we were saying about Live Nation. The fans are as dumb. Well, as that's anything. what it is. It's the fans. I know. I mean, I guess yeah. Garth Brooks is doing it. He's not even showing up. What? Garth, he he just recorded a show. Right. He went into some soundstage somewhere, recorded a so concert. So it's like going to a drive-in movie. Yeah, pretty it. much. That's yeah. fucking ridiculous. Going wow. to the drive-in. But, you know, country almost could get away with it because their fans are so... Well, people will say loyal. I say stupid, but... They're they're getting getting away with it, all right. Garth Brooks sold out 300 drive-ins across the wow. United States. there you go. Holy at $100 a car. Wow, 100 fucking yeah. bucks? Well, dude, sp- speaking of, of which, uh, and that, that wow. I, I, this brings it up, I got to add, you know, um, as you know, Chris, I've been pretty silent about the uh, screenings that really fucked us up for, I know you were planning on coming out for the screening for the mm-hmm. Bay Area Godfathers movie. We planned a, a, actually a few screenings were already pretty much set up for... Uh, uh, March and April, mm-hmm. you know, the main one was the, the one we were going to do at the Roxy in, in uh, uh, San Francisco. And they were saying that they might be able to set something up next month. But now I don't, I don't see that happening. Or if they do, it'll have to be like one third filled or whatever. So we were thinking of options and we're thinking, well, it's a movie. Let me talk to a couple of drive-in uh, theaters. And there's one in San Mateo that have been doing They've been doing tribute shows there. Oh, okay. They've been doing yeah, the same okay. thing. And, okay. and uh, so I talked to them, and you know how much they wanted 
to to rent the drive-in? Probably a ridiculous amount. Twenty grand. No, ten grand. Yeah, Jesus. But ten grand to rent the theater. And I said, Well, you know, what do you charge? It's well, it's like twenty-five dollars per car. <laughs> and it's uh four hundred cars. And I'm doing the math in my head. I said, Well, that means that's basically comes out to ten grand. So you would have to get twenty you would have to get four hundred cars just to break even. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You know, fucking... I said, like, oh, well, that's ridiculous. I, I, come on. You know, this is an independent movie. You can't, you know, so obviously that was out of the question. Are you uh, sure? Because like I'd love to take my thousand dollar plane ticket, fly out, <laughs> rent a car, well, and then sit in the car and watch the movie. And well, watch the- see what we could do. I mean, if we, ch- but I, I told, even if we were going to charge each person there 20, say there's four persons per car or whatever, charge each person individually, it's, it's still not going to work. It's not out. enough, though. And, and yeah. the, the point is for this movie, it's a screening. It, it's going to be most of the people that are featured in the movie. As, as you know, it's a, yeah. uh, it's a two part movie. So we have like, you know, over 50 artists and their friends or their bandmates. So, you know, it's going to be 70% guest list anyway. It's like, fuck, I'm not going to lose, you know, eight grand on doing a fucking one screening. This, you know, for, so. for that, for that kind of money, Bob, you, you could set up a website, do a, do a screening yourself you know, that everybody, anybody wants to watch pays 10 bucks to watch. Well, that's actually funny. You mentioned that because that's what we're looking into. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and then have a host that, you know, use zoom or whatever, whatever platform, but zoom would probably be easiest because it has the green room or the waiting room and just have a zoom thing where you, where you pull in, you know, you do an interview segment an hour before and an hour after and do 10 minutes with, Okay, coming on to the screen now. Here it is. It's David Ellefson of Megadeth. David, you were in this movie. How great is that? You know, that? <laughs> you know, you could do something like that, and it would make, and you would make a lot more money than fucking renting a drive-in. <laughs> well, that's something we're actually going to look into. It's just a matter of uh, convincing, uh, you know, Warren, the executive uh, uh, producer. He's still real weary because we were going to set out, send out, you know, private links to all the people in the movie. And he's oh, it's too soon to do that. It could get, you know, there are leaks. I know um, even with Vimeo, uh, you know, I spoke with the guys in Cleopatra. They were having problems with their movies getting linked, doing private Vimeo links and stuff, which is supposed to be the safe way to do it. But um, so we're, we're, we're going to figure out something. I know, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about doing like what you said, or, you know, either do a Facebook live or through Zoom or something like that. But uh, we'll figure something out. But yeah, the driving theater is definitely out of the question now. Yeah. So a, a, any updates with that, Bob, with uh, the release date? Now we're for... just waiting. I mean, yeah. uh, well, the problem is now uh, with the distributors, we've been dealing with uh, uh, some issues. So it looks like, uh, I mean, the thing is we were going to actually, we had screenings planned for, you know, not just a big one that we were going to do at the Roxy Theater in San Francisco. We had something uh, uh, possibly set up in, in Sacramento. We had one in L.A. We had one in Portland, Orange right? County. Uh, was Portland, that? Portland, you had one too? Yeah, Portland was uh, already set up. So, you know, we figured, okay, that will do us time to do a few screenings before the movie came out, you know, the summer or whatever. Now it looks like it's going to be September release. Mm, okay. So, and now we, if we can't do any screenings, it's like, you know, we got three months so we're going to figure out something. I've been real silent about it because I don't, you know, know what we're going to do. I mean, a lot of the artists in the film are asking about it. When are they going to have a chance to see it? 
and whatnot, but uh, we're going to work something out, you know, but uh, you know, we just got to, got to do it right. And, and I understand, you know, uh, Warren's a bit paranoid about getting, uh, you know, links out, even as, as private as they would be. And we could, you know, just put them up for a day, have people watch it, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure something cool. out. Yeah. I was telling Chris, uh, you know, he's going to be very happy with his appearances in, in the, in the movie, I was able to, you know, obviously see, see the movie. See, Matt's got a private screening. You know, I got a private screen of my own one here. But, yeah, but, uh, you know, Chris Aiken's in there quite a, quite a lot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Good answer. And I'm the son, ghetto king of all media. What, what, the fuck, what the fuck is this, a Chris Aiken show? <laughs> we never did a podcast or I never spoke about it. It was a Bob Kulik's passing. Um, yeah. Bob, I knew really well, and he was a... Really, really good dude. And, uh, you know, he was he was kind of he, he had his personality. He was kind of this, you know, this arrogant kind of guy, but in, in a very, very charming way. He was a, a really good dude. And, you know, he was a behind the scenes guy. And, you know, when he came out with a whole feud between him and his brother, I remember he contacted me before it really went public. And he told me about it and he you know wanted to interview me. And he was telling me the whole thing. It's like, dude, you know. I love you. I'll interview you about your music. You want to talk about new stuff, but I don't, I don't want to be a part of this, you know, this feud right. thing about you, you know, it's just like, I know I probably would have got a ton of hits. I probably could have been the first person to do it, but I said, yeah. you know, this brotherly fight, like the Schenker brothers, it's like, dude, come mm -hmm. on. I mean, after, after what, 40, 50 years of, of, you know, performing well, together. I mean, come on, dude. So well, he's, I, I mean, I've interviewed, I've interviewed Bob and Bruce and, I, I see it on both sides. You know, Bruce, it's weird because everybody looks at, well, Bob's the bad guy and Bruce is the good guy because Bruce has perennially been, you know, the good handshake guy, the the personable guy in Kiss, you know, you know, he's always been that guy, but he could be a bit of a dick too. So, you know, to, well, Bob to, basically got him that gig. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. And, and, and I, all I'm saying is that I think people perceived before Bob's passing, they perceived it as, well, Bob's being a dick and Bruce is the good guy catching the brunt of it. And without knowing any details at all, I'm just saying I've seen Bruce be a dick to where I could see, yeah, it might not have only been Bob. It might have yeah. been the So they're both dicks. They're both dicks. I, I agree. I mean, <laughs> it's I mean honestly, though, I've had better dealings with Bob than Bruce. Yeah. Bob's a good dude. I mean, I got to tell you a, a great story. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I had known Bob, Bob on and off, and he, uh, uh, I had hooked him up with a few different projects uh, uh, here and there uh, in, in L.A., and we've always had a real good relationship. We'd see each other at the Rainbow Art shows. He's always been a total gentleman. I remember I saw him at, uh, this was at the, uh, the Key Club, or it might have okay. actually been Billboard Live at the time which was okay. the old Gazaris for people that don't know in LA. And I was living in LA at the time. And this would have been probably early two thousands. And uh, this was when a AVN award show was pretty new before they went to Vegas, they were okay. in LA and we saw Dio at the uh, key club mm -hmm. or, or billboard live, whatever it was called then. And uh, uh, Bob was at the show and I was there with my buddy, Bill and, uh, and we had passes for the AVN after. And I told my buddy who, who hooked us up with the pass. I said, well, we're going to go see Dio that night. He goes, well, dude, 
It's at the Bellagio Hotel, which is no longer. It was right by, uh, right across from the Whiskey from a Go Go. Whiskey, yeah. It's a hotel there, yeah. on Sunset Boulevard. He goes, dude, just swing by right after. Mm-hmm. So we said, okay, we'll do that. So we run into Bob after the show. We're talking, we're bullshitting. And they had, gave me four passes for the AVN Awards and like all access passes, you know, backstage, whatever. And because uh, I, you know, as you know, uh, Chris, I know a few people in the porn business too. Rock and roll of porn, go, even way back then. So anyway, to make a long story short, I go, hey, Bob, you know, I got an extra pass. Would you want to do this award show, uh, uh, AVN award show? It's like some big porno awards across the street. You go, do you want to go with us? Sure. Why not? So we take Bob there. And I remember we go there right as it was ending. And, you know, we go in, they give us the passes where in the backstage, big green room, porn chicks all over. Everyone's drunk as fuck. And when we saw the ending of the awards, you know, and uh, as you know, they go have scenes for, you know, best blowjob and this and that. And, mm-hmm. and all these girls have these awards and then they're backstage showing off the awards. And Bob was like, dude, this is surreal. They actually <laughs> have awards in this for like best blowjob. <laughs> they actually make these awards. And he was like, like freaking out. And, he, and he's going, this is fucking great. <laughs> and I'm like laughing. And he was just there like looking, staring around going, dude, thanks so much for inviting me. This is fucking really cool. And I just remember that was a, such a cool moment with, you know, Bobby. I mean, he lived in that rock and roll world and I'm sure he had his share of groupies and all this, but this was a whole other world that he didn't know existed. He goes, dude, I had no idea they had like awards for this kind of stuff. He goes, this is fucking hilarious, but it's <laughs> fucking great. You know? And it was, it was just real cool. And I think we ended up going to an after party at, I don't know if it was Buck Adams house or someplace up in the Hills. And we went to this crazy after party where Ron Jeremy's fucking some chick in the bathroom. Oh, you said Ron Jeremy. Uh, speaking of Ron speaking Jeremy, of Ron he's Jeremy. in some shit right now. <laughs> you probably heard about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's, if he's ever fucked. there was, if ever there was no a, surprise, well, <laughs> <laughs> no surprise at all there. But anyway, I just that moment with Bob Kulik and after the award show and after that, the party he was just like, dude, thanks, man. That's just was fucking great. I never realized, you know, so it, it was kind of a cool experience. But anyway, Bob, Bob was a good dude. So there's there's my tribute to Mr. Kulik. You go. Bob was probably just surprised when you won that best blowjob award. Oh, Bob. <laughs> oh I knew, I knew you that got was it. coming. I knew I set that up for you. Good answer. I'll, I'll go with that, Chris. Oh, awesome. I still have the award sitting up on my mantle too, by the way. Sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, I'm so a talented motherfucker. I guess All I'll right. never know. <laughs> yeah, and I don't ever want to know. <laughs> I don't know. All right, always a fun show having you on, Mr. Aiken. Thank you for listening to the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast. Subscribe and listen to all episodes by going to our pages on iTunes, Spreaker, YouTube, Spotify, and more. You can listen to all other episodes and access up-to-date information and news on the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast by going to our website at www.shockwaveskullsessions.com. Email all comments, questions, and suggestions to shockwaveskullsessions at gmail.com.
summer's not here long, so seize the sizzle with Walmart. Find all your faves such as Oscar Mayer hot dogs, Kraft singles, and Heinz ketchup. This time of year is all about living easy and sizzling good food. Whether you're cooking for two or for a houseful, grilling outside makes mealtime simple, delicious, and fun. When the coals are hot, be grill ready with all the best ingredients from Walmart. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Touch-free QR code payments. No seller fees until 2021. Not applicable to PayPal here transactions. Other fees may apply. Shop safe with PayPal.